Welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Haley Wooden. I'm Tyler Orton. And this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. And we have some exciting news related to this podcast. We've been coming to you every week for the past, oh, I don't know, year, year and a half. Yeah, year and a half. It's been a while, but we're actually bumping up our podcast to bring you three new podcasts every week. They'll be published Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. The format is going to go as follows. You'll hear me and Tyler Tuesdays and Thursdays talking about the latest business news. We'll cover headlines. We'll chat about our thoughts on it and offer some commentary. And Wednesdays, we're reserving for our weekly featured interview, which we've also been doing for the better part of a year and a half. It highlights an interview that played on BIV's show on Roundhouse Radio, so that'll come on Wednesdays. But it's uh, more content to you three times a week as opposed to one, and we're excited about it. Yeah, it should be fun. Let's uh, jump into the latest business news that we've been covering. Uh, UBCM is this week going on here in Vancouver. Haley, I got a chance to check some things out. Mm-hmm. There's a tour of uh, these smart grid facilities over at BCIT. I took a ride on the world's largest electric vehicle. It's this oh. bus, which a uh, very smooth ride. Never heard the engine. But I think most importantly, coming of the UBCM, though, for those who don't know, a Union of British Columbia Municipalities holding their big convention. Everybody wants to talk about cannabis. And yeah, the fact is, we don't really know what to expect from it. We haven't had much traction from the previous provincial government when it comes to enacting the federal government's goal of having legislation for recreational cannabis in by July of 2018. Yeah, that's a deadline so, that's coming up really fast. Yeah, at this point, the NDP government is saying, well, we're going to put it towards like consultation. They, they want public input from this. So we're going to be hearing a lot more soon. But it's kind of surprising that at this point, BC really is falling behind other provinces when it comes to getting some sort of grip on how this industry is going to actually operate day to day. Yeah, it does really feel like we're falling behind. I know we've had people on the radio show talk to about how the legislation, it seems like it might come into effect July 1st at the federal level. That doesn't mean that provinces need to have a fully formed plan timed to be published and in effect at that time too. They could sort of continue uh, with the way things have gone before, look to the federal government, but continue on with the plan. But I mean, a lot of work has to be put into this. There are a lot of things to think about at the provincial level. And I'm not sure too what may or may not fall to the municipal Municipalities as well when it comes to bylaws around certain things. Well, think about it this way, though. If Ontario is rip-roaring, ready to go as of July 1st, 2018, and BC is not, then BC is going to be forever at a disadvantage when it comes to attracting industry and business over here. And talent, yeah. Yeah, so I I don't know how they can not be kind of harmonized with other other provinces that are going to be enacting this. It's going to be very damaging to the industry. I, I I just wonder if this you know putting it towards public consultation if that's going to move swiftly enough. I I have my doubts that it will. Yeah, I think so too. I think um, BC the BC cannabis industry is maybe a good one to be consulted. I'm I'm sure they have been, but if it's a broader public consultation too, who knows where that could leave things right and and. However long that takes, you then have to uh, take into account 
a variety of views, and it certainly is a sort of controversial piece of legislation. So I don't know. It'll be interesting, too, because provinces can come up with different plants. So you mentioned being in sync for that deadline, but you also might have legislation in Ontario drastically different from BC. What does that mean for businesses operating in one province, but with business in another? I mean, it's a huge, huge file, and there's not a lot of time left. it, It could, just for example, it could mean that if you go to a liquor store in Ontario, you might be able to buy recreational cannabis there. But if you go to a liquor store in BC, you may not have the same option. Maybe you need to go to a pharmacy. Maybe you need to go to some sort of private retailer. Who knows? One curious little tidbit that came out of uh, the UBCM meeting on Monday was that the Vancouver City Councilor uh, Kerry Jang, he was asked uh, about the possibility of you know some sort of cannabis smoking lounges in nightclubs in Vancouver. And he actually said that he envisions this as a possibility. He compared it to the craft brewery industry, how you have these tasting lounges now, breweries, the idea that he emphasized those. The reason why these things exist is because of what he calls uh, safe or or, uh, responsible usage. So Mm -hmm. I, I think he's trying to send some signals to the industry at this point. So here's an interesting one uh, I heard from from a lawyer in employment law. And he said, if your company has a culture where it's okay, acceptable to say, take a client out for lunch and have a drink at lunch, you're not going to be able once cannabis is legalized recreationally to have a double standard between marijuana and alcohol, which I think is another really interesting facet to this, how you sort of handle it in the workplace. So sounds like UBCM was, uh, there's a lot going on. The bus ride sounds cool too. (laughs) As cool as a bus ride can be. Yes, absolutely. What's what's catching your eye in news? Well, I uh, I have to bring up the third round of NAFTA talks. They're in Canada for the third round, and it's the third round of seven. There's a lot of doubt surrounding whether or not, talking about early deadlines or looming deadlines, whether the three countries can actually come to a NAFTA 2.0 by the end of the year, which is when uh, I think all three parties sort of set a soft deadline for. On the negotiating table this week are labor reforms and some very progressive uh, elements tabled by Canada too. Looking at Mexico, so not just looking at greater labor mobility between Canada and the U.S. and that border, but also looking at strengthening workers' rights, uh, wage garnered by workers in Mexico too, which of course could have implications on the automobile sectors, but a variety of sectors too. And it it is true, a lot of jobs have been lost to Mexico where the labor standards there are not at all the same as what you'd find in Canada. Okay, you're going at it from a macro level. I want to go in on the micro level here. Uh, story out of Ottawa though, everything's so slapdash last minute when it comes to these negotiations. They don't actually have like a central hotel meeting place for all the negotiators. (laughs) So they've been putting them on school buses, feeding them box lunches, no restaurants available at this uh, old city hall that they're holding the negotiations at. It's now a government building. So it's it's just very much kind of the um, uh, Bush League sort of version of negotiations that you would typically have. And it just shows you how fast these things are rolling at this point. So many question marks about whether or not this is going to be at the schedule that I, I guess the U.S. side of it really wants it. I, and I know Foreign Affairs Minister Christia Freeland, she said that, you know, these things take time, as everyone knows, but that it's not uncommon to be at the third round and maybe not have some specifics around negotiating objectives. But I mean, that means then that all three countries are going to actually have to sit down and hammer out uh points and legislation or rules and guidelines on the more contentious issues, which 
they have a lot of ground they can touch on where, uh, for example, they only want to modernize NAFTA. But when it comes to dairy or the automobile sectors or labor, it doesn't seem like the countries have really agreed to anything at this point and a lot of concerns that specifics haven't been tabled. So I don't know. Do you think that we might see a NAFTA 2.0 by the end of the year? It seems pretty doubtful at this no, point. I, I yeah. don't believe so. What about you? Should yeah. we place a wager on it? <laughs> well, I think we're, we're going to be on the same team. Okay. I do not really see a NAFTA 2.0 by the end of the year. And right. I think there's some skepticism that even if we did, it's probably not going to be a great deal because they may have to rush certain things to get it done. Absolutely. Uh, One thing you don't want to rush through, though, is uh, an event that BIV is having on Mm -hmm. October 26th. We're going to get some bankers and some brokers to... You know, present each side of the argument about where you should be putting your money. So this is going to be at the Van City Theater, and uh, we're expecting it to be this kind of entertaining, engaging battle over the direction of investments. So why don't you go to biv.com slash events? We've got way more details in there. Uh, and why don't I uh, talk about something that is also pretty big and important? Uh, this week, uh, one of India's largest broadcasters, ZTV, They just announced that they're going to be opening up a production company in Vancouver. It's going to be overseeing and leading the way of content development for global audiences. So right now, ZTV, uh, they'll make stuff for their domestic Indian audiences. Uh, But this is actually going to be the first foray into doing global content for Hmm. this mammoth of a company based in Mumbai. So I'm curious how Vancouver is going to have this pretty significant influence on the company but just think about it this way though uh the senior vice president who's heading up this vancouver office he did point out that vancouver doesn't really have that many writers compared to say a los angeles or new york so uh, he wants to start like this storyteller incubation center in the city uh get that side of things going because otherwise the services side of the industry you know uh easy to film do a production here get your post-production as well it's really kind of the incubation side that uh, he figures there needs to be more work to be done. Otherwise, they're just going to be relying on writers for their content that are actually from L.A. And then the content's just maybe produced here, which not necessarily what we want for the industry. No, and I think that's a fair point. There's been so much attention on you know major American Hollywood films coming up to, to film here in BC or uh, in Vancouver specifically, Deadpool comes to mind, um, War for the Planet of the Apes. It's, it's exciting to have uh, local talent here featured on films that have maybe gone on to win Academy Awards or be nominated, but it is very different. It is sort of attention of these great massive companies coming using the resources here and that's all great but i guess uh, with this company they're looking to maybe make it a bit more of a sustainable endeavor focused on local talent I, so that's kind of nice yeah i agree uh what else is catching your eye Hi, Haley? well in this week's edition of business in vancouver some of our reporters had a look at the costs of the bc wildfires so we're into fall officially now and this summer is certainly marked by some really devastating fires we had our freelance reporter patrick blenner has it up most of the summer in the interior too, dealing with sort of a personal family situation where they were thinking they were going to have to be evacuated. So it's been one that a lot of people have been covering. We had a look at the costs. So, so far, according to the Insurance Bureau of Canada, there have been about $127 million logged in insurance claims. If you want to compare that to Fort McMurray, uh, it's difficult to compare it. That had about $3.7 billion in claims. So even though it was quite devastating what happened here in BC in the summer, it's not to the same scale, which of course would be a positive thing. 
But we also had a look at the cost to the forestry sector too. And about a year's worth of the allowable cut for timber has been lost. So I think that's about 53 million cubic meters. So that's fairly significant. Mills closed uh, and some reports too that only about 35 to 40 percent of the contract workforce were actually working in the summer because of mills being closed and that that industry grinding to a little bit of a halt. Not to mention having to deal with uh, preliminary tariffs and duties and the softer lumber dispute too. So it's been a bit of a rough go for that particular sector. All in all, BC government pledging $600 million to uh, to respond to this and the vast majority of that going to the BC Wildfire Service. So impacts of that, even though um, it's winding down maybe a little bit in terms of immediate impact, it's going to take some time to figure out the true costs and sort of rebuilding. A lot of people had to be relocated and a lot of uh, companies maybe had to close operations. Yeah, I don't think this is going to be something that is just recovered from in just a few weeks, months. Uh, it's going to be something that the province is also obviously going to be you know, putting money into and we're still going to see the impacts, just relocation of a lot of the people going forward. Uh, I feel like we also have to be cognizant of the fact that more of these wildfires are are popping up, that this yeah. might just become a reality for the province. Every single year, there's going to be something like this. I don't know if that's sustainable, which is why people are raising a lot of concerns about climate change. Yeah, no, understandably so. And concerns too, I mean, as people relocate, what does that mean longer term for planning? Do people more permanently move out of certain regions? Um, I mean, yeah, it seems as though every couple of years you have wildfires that are like very, very severe. And I'm sure there's wildfires to some extent every year. Uh, but yeah, I agree. It's something that BC's going to have to look at. It's not a happy thing to have to look at either. Well, that's it for our business headlines. This podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax, and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, and if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning, Elliott Accountants, and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600. That's 604-714-3600. Or you can check them out on their website at manningelliot.ca. Now, if you like this podcast, as we said, we'll be bringing you three brand new podcasts each week. You can find them at BIV.com where we have a ton of other business news along with radio show segments. And you can also find our podcasts over at iTunes. And if you want to give us a rating, we always appreciate that. Now, Tyler, if anyone wants to connect with you, where can they go? Yeah, read my stories at BIV.com or else follow me on social media. I'm at Reporton. That's R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N, Reporton. And you can connect with me on Twitter at Haley Wooden, H-A-Y-L-E-Y-W-O-O-D-I-N. Feel free to say hi. And that's it again for today. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you Wednesday.